Like, ah, I had to, sometimes I hit things and I don't mean to, so I apologize. Anybody else battling the wonderful colds that are going around right now? Anybody besides me? Excellent, excellent. Been dealing with that all week and it was finally pretty. I had, I had the nasal spray going here and was cleared up a little bit and then, of course, now I'm not. And so, <clears throat> thanks for sharing, sweetie. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> no, no, no. No, 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 no. No, no. It's all, it's all good. What? No, 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 for sharing just now. No, 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 thanks for, thanks for sharing just now and then making my nose run further, that's, that's what I was referring to, yeah, appreciate that, ah. yeah, something like that, and if I appear to be limping, I am. I was working on a car all day on Friday, and my knee still hasn't recovered from that yet. So, so anyway, oh, that's, that's just life. Oh, what a good start. What a great start to the morning, indeed. Let's go, Lord, in prayer before we open up his word. Father God, as we dive into your word today, again, the privilege we have of having it in our possession. Father, every one of us could have a physical copy if we wanted one. There's some under the seats right now they can take with them. Father, we have the opportunity to have it on our phones. We have the opportunity to read it whenever we want. I pray that we individually think about that throughout the week and challenge ourselves to dive into your word on our own. But we've gathered together, and there's something special about that when we study your word together. Be with us. Open our hearts and minds to what you would have us to hear and learn today. Father, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So far in this series, we've, we've spent a week talking about why it is so important to fight for our marriages in this culture. We spent a week talking about fighting for our families. This weekend, we're going to look at why we must fight for our friendships, something that will come up throughout this. This world wants you to be alone. This world absolutely wants you to be alone. It doesn't want you to have friends. It doesn't want you to have good friends. So you've ever said something to the effect of, you know, I don't have time for relationships, for friendships right now. I'm just too busy. Well, then just like we said last week with our families, then that means you are indeed just too busy because life is about relationships, beginning first with our relationship with God. Now, you might say, Pastor, we haven't talked about our relationship with God. Yes, that's next week and the week following. We'll be spending two weeks talking about our relationship with God because that's the most important relationship. Ship, followed then by our, our next priority, that of marriage, if God calls us to be married. If not, that gift of singleness is a wonderful blessing that's so unique within our culture and our world today. Then it was on to our kids and our family members and having those great relationships. And then today, talking about building great godly friendships. God-honoring friendships can be one of the most difficult things to build in life. No matter what phase of life that you are in right now, we should be working on having these important relationships around us. Just like marriage, friendships give us a chance in a very unique way to express the love of God to others, to serve others, to listen and just be there for other people in times of need and in times of rejoicing because it is not good for man to be alone. Today we're going to start by talking about five simple reasons. These aren't, again, it's not an all-inclusive list. It's a short list of five reasons why we need to fight to have awesome relationships. How do we build these kinds of relationships in our lives and why should we absolutely have them? Well, 
The first reason why we need these spiritual friendships in our life is literally for spiritual growth. It is worth time to build friendships for spiritual growth. You see, you cannot become like Christ. You cannot become all that God means for you to be. You cannot grow spiritually to maturity all by yourself. Now, there's lots of people that would argue with that. But you see, you can't become like Christ by yourself, period. God designed us to be in community, You must have friends and relationships in your life in order to accomplish God's purpose for your life. You cannot fulfill God's purpose for your life by yourself. You see, the New Testament gives us a list of about 38 different one another's. Things you must do with and or for someone else to live out these commands of Jesus. For example, just a few, honor one another, be devoted to one another. Romans 12, 10. Instruct one another, Romans 5, 14. Serve one another, Galatians 5, 13. Pray for one another, James 5, 16. And on and on the list goes. None of those can you do by yourself. There must be someone else involved. Meaning, if we're not doing those things, we're not obeying the laws of Christ. One of the greatest challenges within the New Testament comes from the book of Hebrews. Chapter 10, verse 24. And a lot of people have been focusing on the first part of this verse and not necessarily the last. Let us, let us consider how to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us consider how we might spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together. That's been the focus here recently after COVID. But encouraging one another daily, all the more as you see the day approaching. As believers in Jesus, we are a family. Dysfunctional, sure. Imperfect, absolutely. But we're called to spur one another on, to encourage one another, to provoke one another, to stir people up toward love and good deeds. We're called to motivate one another into action. Now, why would God tell us to do that? Why would he call us to do that? Well, because he knows us. And we know that a few of us are not self-motivated. Don't get me wrong. You see, the love of Jesus is actually what compels us to these love and good deeds. His sacrifice, his love for us should be more than enough to spur us on to love and good deeds. But God knows that we need each other. He knows that we need others to help move us in the right direction. Because if given the chance, many of us would, and in fact do, choose not to act Church, is the day of, a, of Jesus' return approaching? Of course it is. Whether you feel personally as if it's imminent, it's right on the horizon, or it's still centuries away, it doesn't matter. It's 2,000 years closer than it was when he left. So absolutely the day of Jesus is officially approaching. We cannot resist that. This is why we need to gather together. This is what we should be doing together and for each other. And that second half of the verse is so much more important now than it's ever been before. We cannot give up meeting together. We can't do it. God's word never treats gathering together as an option. As far back as you want to go in the Old Testament Jewish faith to the early church when it was born, it was not just something they did. It wasn't something they went to. It was who they were, being a part of that family of believers It helped identify them. It defined who they were as a people, even as a culture. 
It begins with us making that a priority once again. What kind of family would we have? We talk about this as a staff all the time. What kind of family would we have if we all committed to gathering every single week? How amazing would that be? I'd be the first one to give up my seat. I'd be happy to stand on the side because we wouldn't have nearly enough chairs for everybody. Think of the example we set for our kids, our families, even our friends and others in the community. If we make that commitment to God and to each other to commit to being there to worship God and to spur one another on toward love and good deeds every single time we can. All that's great. All that's great. And that's just the believers made the commitment. I want to give you a statistic from this last year, 2022. The the stats are starting to roll in from 2022. It's in 33%. 33% of Americans in 2022 never step foot in a religious service of any kind. Easter, Christmas, nothing. One third of Americans didn't even go to church once. What's that mean? It means we have a huge mission field out in front of us is what it means. A third of the people we come in contact with have absolutely no relationship with the church. See, you could look at it really negatively. Oh, what's this world coming to? It's coming to us to share people, Jesus, with them. That's what it's come to. What a mission field. We need to be inviting others to get to know Jesus. We need to be developing a relationship with others to show them Jesus. They don't know him. They don't know about him. They don't know his love. They don't know his grace. They don't know his forgiveness. They don't have his peace. They don't have his hope. And they don't have a group of people around them that love them as Jesus does. They don't have anyone leading them toward Jesus. And that's sad. We've got to change that. Another way good friends can help us grow spiritually is by the gift of accountability. Someone who will intentionally, lovingly, honestly help keep us on the right track because we all need it. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. And it is a blessing to have people around you that can help identify those weaknesses, can help identify those areas and help restore us when we do fall short. It's so important. Our spiritual growth is maximized when we are in community with other people. God designed it that way. A second way, a second reason why we need these relationships, these friendships, is for emotional support. Now, many of you know that, don't you? You have a best friend who's been with you through fill in the blank. This falls absolutely in the one another category yet again. Carry one another's burdens. Galatians 6, 2, encourage one another daily, 1 Thessalonians 4, 18. Life is a journey, and we need people along the way to help us through. Has that ever been more of a reality than it is in today's world? People are more connected than ever, and yet for some reason they're more lonely than ever. As I did some research and looked back, I found a book all the way back in 2011, So if you know much about the digital world and when things like the iPhone were invented and that connectivity, this is very early in that process. And the book was entitled Alone Together. That was then. (laughs) This is 2023. Today, 58% of Americans report feeling lonely. That's more than half. 47 say that their relationships are not meaningful. Generation Z is now classified as the loneliest Generation with 65% feeling sometimes or always lonely. Think about that. 
There's no way to deny this reality that's around us. People are lonely. And hopefully in your mind as a believer, there's no doubt about who is behind this trend. God told us from the very, very, very beginning, it is not good for man to be alone. And so what does man do? Man continues to find ways, invent ways to isolate ourselves from each other. Loneliness thrives in virtual communities. And if you're following all this AI stuff that's out there right now, man is destined to try to create a way so you will never have to act with an actual human being ever. How sad of an existence that will be. This is completely a tactic of Satan's. There is no doubt about it. When we are alone, we are vulnerable. When we are alone, we don't have any kind of support or encouragement from anyone. And we need to love and we need to be loved in our lives. We need to care for one another, help one another, serve one another, greet one another, encourage one another. We need to carry each other's burdens. It's what God designed us and created us to do. That passage from Galatians 6, chapter, or chapter 6, verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. This is a command. It's not an option to carry one another's burdens. We're supposed to do it. It's intentional. And obviously you can't obey this command all by yourself. Another great reason we need good spiritual friendships. How about this one? For better health. Did you know? Not only does the Bible talk about this, but science has confirmed it time and time again that you live longer, healthier, happier lives if you have healthy friendships in your life. Did you know that? This is a study from all the way back in August of 2022, really long ago. (laughs) Feels like it, doesn't it? Anyway, American Heart Association. Social isolation and loneliness put people to 30% higher risk of heart attack, stroke, or death from either. Isolation and loneliness kill you. Literally. It's not an accident. God knows this. That's why he tells us it's not good for man to be alone. That's just one example. There's lots of others in science. But what does God's word have to say? Well, when we have relationships, close relationships, it gives us a chance to have an outlet, to vent. I'm sure none of you ever use your friends for those things, do you? To get rid of negative emotions and stress to unload, to decompress, to relieve ourselves of this worldly stuff that we got to go through. James 5.16 adds an element to that. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. How much stress do we keep bottled inside of us because of unconfessed sin? Have you ever thought about that? Now, you can confess your sins to God, absolutely. Just to God, nothing wrong with that. And he promises you will be forgiven, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So it's not a heaven or hell issue, confessing our sins to God and confessing our sins to man. But James added something in that passage. He says, and you will be healed. In other words, when you confess to one another, you get help moving past the sin in your life. You get emotional support that you need to heal. God created community for that very purpose. God structured the universe so that some things will only improve with the help of others. We can't fix it by ourselves. How about something really superficial? You know, friends, friends are for fun. Yeah? 
Anybody have fun with your friends? I hope so. Do you know that fun is good? God created fun for us on purpose. He created this earth for us to enjoy. Proverbs 17, 22. A cheerful or joyful heart is good medicine. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. See, sometimes we Christians, we forget that Jesus specifically said he came. He came to give us life to the full. And that life, John 10, 10, begins now, not in eternity it starts when we accept him and from that moment forward. Jesus is talking about the here and now. When we come to him, his spirit fills us and we are better able to enjoy his good creation. Why? Because now we can enjoy it free from guilt, free from shame, full of the joy of the Lord within us, pursuing his righteousness and not the evil desires of the world that used to consume us as this world is best enjoyed with others. It's not merely to be endured, this life that we live. See, you can make all the money in the world. You can have all the achievements in the world. You can experience all the pleasure in the world. But if you are alone, it is not good. It is not all that God intended for you. Now, I know we have some uh, introverts. That's a nice way of saying Some introverts in the room. People in here that just don't really like people. You prefer to be alone. You probably even think you are better off alone. I'm not going to argue with you. You can feel free to think whatever you want. That's just fine. But God said, and I'll just quote him, it's not good for you to be alone. I'll leave it there. If we avoid human contact, if we avoid human contact, we cannot love and serve others. And that we are called in the way that we are called to do. We cannot become more like Jesus if we avoid people. If your life has been lived that way up to this point, it is time to allow the Spirit of God to transform you. You will never become who God wants you to be by remaining who you are. Now, for you introverts, don't freak out. God is probably not calling you to this spot. And he's probably not calling you to go around and shake hands with every single person in the room and talk with every single person in every environment that you're in, constantly being engaged with everybody else. That is not it at all. He didn't wire you that way. But he absolutely called you to be a friend to some, whoever those people are. One last reason God wants you to fight for these awesome friendships is, is to help you reach your goals in life. To help you reach your goals in life. It would be very difficult to reach all the goals that you have for your life if you do it by yourself. Now, you might say, yeah, but I've been able to do that. I've been able to accomplish everything I've set aside to do. If that's the case, it's quite possible then that your goals are not God's goals for you. He has something greater, something bigger waiting for you. We all need a support team. We all need that encouragement, whether we admit it or not. We've all probably heard this passage at a wedding, Ecclesiastes 4, 9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity the one who falls and has no one to help them up. That obviously applies to any relationship, not just marriage. We all need friends to help us grow spiritually, for emotional support, for better health, yes, for fun, and even to help reach our goals. Now, those are just a few quick, simple ones. We could come up with an endless list of reasons why God wants us to have those relationships. But depending on where you're at in life, you might be wondering, where on earth 
could I possibly go to form relationships like that, to form friendships like that? Good question. You might talk with people that are lonely and they're asking, how, well, how can I develop those friendships, those relationships? Well, I'm going to just make this crazy assertion, this crazy suggestion, offer you an opportunity to start at the place where God created to develop that very community. It's called the church, the family of God. See, each one of us, when we come to Jesus, however we came to Jesus, we're adopted into his family. That takes a lot of different shapes and forms and everything else. And his family is imperfect, yes, but we have a perfect daddy. So how can we develop deeper friendships? How do we develop deep friendships within this family? Why, listen carefully, why is the family of God, the fellowship of believers, the only place you can have the type of friendship that God desires for you to have? I want those words to sink in for a moment and ponder what I said because some of you just heard something that I did not say. I did not say that you cannot have friends outside of the church or outside of the Christian community. I did not say that in any way, shape, or form. We absolutely should. Jesus, I might remind you, was a friend of sinners. Do you think every one of those friends of his turned and followed him? No. So those relationships are absolutely an important part of our life and of our faith. It is through those relationships that God is calling us to share his love. But here's the hard part. Here's the hard part. You have those relationships outside of the fellowship of believers. Have you shared Jesus with your pre-Christian friends? And if not, when are you planning to? You, you have to. They're not just your hunting buddy. They're not just your, your, your gossip girls. They're not just your hairdresser. They're not just your coworker friendship there. You have to share Jesus with them. Why? You got to share Jesus with them as if their life depended on it, folks. Because it does for all eternity. And God has brought you into that friendship to share Jesus with them. If you do not, who will? If you truly believe in Jesus and what Jesus did for you and believe that it is only through his sacrifice that we can escape the punishment for our sin and spend eternity in heaven with him, then how could we possibly live life being someone's friend knowing that they're going to die and go to hell if we don't share Jesus with them? How could we possibly rationally do that? That's not a very caring, loving friend, now is it? Being a friend of sinners not a sin. Not sharing Jesus with them is. Jesus was a friend of sinners, but he wasn't influenced by the sinners. Instead, he lived his life in such a way as to influence them in his direction. Is that what we're doing with our pre-Christian friends? Remember, in my, my vernacular, my language, that's the only word I use. I don't use non-believers, unbelievers, this, that. They are pre-Christians. Every human being is a pre-Christian because God died for them. And anybody that comes to him is a believer. So remember that train of thought. No matter how far you think that person is from God, they're just a pre-Christian. That's it. All right, back to the church. Why should this be the best place to develop relationships? It's very simple. It's very simple because it's only here. It's only here that we have the most important thing in common. Everything, and I mean everything else, 
is secondary. I can be friends with Purdue fans because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Completely relevant. Cardinals and Reds and Cubs fans can come together because they don't matter at all. Yes, people with R's and D's by their names can come together because it doesn't matter at all. The only thing that matters is Jesus. Everything else is secondary. Nothing can take priority over his teachings, over his love. There is no personal preference that is superior to anyone else's. We should all be placing the needs of each other ahead of our own. This is a place where people should be able to come and have their needs met. This is also a place where we should come to help meet the needs of others. This is where we should be able to experience the greatest sense of belonging in all of humanity, the greatest sense of forgiveness, the greatest sense, the most grace possible on planet earth should be offered here within the family of God. And as our family grows, we want to offer more and more opportunities for you guys to connect with one another, more ways for you to invite others to connect with the family here. Our prayer as a staff and leadership is that small groups return very soon. So watch for those opportunities to connect. And if you feel like, you're like, small groups, what's that? I might host a small group. Talk to me. Use that connect card. Hey, Chris, I would love to facilitate, not lead, don't use the word lead, facilitate, host one of these groups when they begin later on in 2023. Make me a note. I would love to talk with you about that. We'll train you up. Not a problem. These might be, and I believe are, the best way of developing true, meaningful, lasting, godly friendships within the church. So when they resume, do not miss out on the chance to be a part of them. Lifelong relationships are developed as a result of those. See, the church is where we're to live out all of those one another's. But the organization Lifeway did some research a little bit back In response to this statement, I intentionally try to get to know new people I meet at church. I intentionally try to get to know new people I meet at church. Only one in six people are the ones reaching out to others in the church. Only one in six people are forming new relationships, greeting visitors. That would mean that when a visitor comes to church, they might have to meet six different people before someone cares enough to even maybe say hello. That, my friends, is a shame. That's not family. So when you see someone you don't recognize, maybe they've been going there their whole life and you just haven't crossed paths, that's okay. When you see someone here that you do not recognize or someone that doesn't seem to know where they're going or isn't really interacting with anyone, please act. Act. Acknowledge their existence. Go over. Talk with them. Introduce yourself. You might find out you're related. It happens. It's just the way it works. You might be the sixth person that's talked to them since they've come in the door. Praise God, that's the way it should be. Hopefully somebody talked to them in the parking lot before they ever even got to the door. Then again, you might be the very first person that's talked with them. So don't miss an opportunity. It doesn't matter. Make an effort. Show them the loving kindness of Jesus. I'm going to end today with some old advice that you probably heard a long time ago. It probably came from your mama a long time ago. I hate to tell you this, but your mama didn't invent this. No, there's actually some guy named Jesus that came up with this idea. He said it a little differently, 
in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. He said this, so in everything you do, do to others what you, what they, what you would have them do unto you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. A.K.A. What, you, AKA what your mama told you was, hey, the best way to have a good friend is to be a good friend. Those are just the words of Jesus, simplified. God calls each of us as believers to reach out to others with his love. So these are just a few biblical characteristics that you should probably begin to live out in order to develop the friendships, the relationships that God is calling us to have. At the same time, some of you have evaluated life before and be like, I don't know if this relationship is good. Okay, well, this is a way to evaluate relationships and see if this is a good relationship that you're in or not. But primarily for yourself, do you live these things out? A godly friend, well, they, they treat you well. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Colossians 3.12. What great characteristics of a good friend. You invest time. You show up. That's a starting point. You invest time and energy to build relationships. Deep friendships are not accidental. They are on purpose. They are intentional. They're a choice. A deep friendship isn't an instantaneous thing, and they're not cheap. They will cost you. They'll cost you an investment of time, energy, and effort. We cannot wait for people to be our friend. So we have to, in change, actually just go and be a friend. Philippians 2, 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests. We do that really well. We find friends that bring advantage to us somehow. No, that's not a friendship. That's a business partner. You're looking, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Example, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, if you think about living that verse out and how that would be attractional to friends, you're going to be able to have more relationships than you could ever imagine if you treat people in that way. Don't just be interested in your own life. Be interested in the lives of others. In today's world, it's very easy. Most people are only interested in themselves and their own family. We're called to be different. Living out this verse will certainly set us apart. A good friend has to be there. They have to be there. You can't be there without presence. You got to show up. Here's the hard part. You got to show up when you want to, and you got to show up when you don't really feel like it. And if there's such an emergency or such an important life event happening that you cannot be there, well, then your friends probably should be wherever you are, shouldn't they? That's how it works. And that's exactly what small groups are for within a church. We don't phone it in. We don't complain about being tired or our crazy schedule. Everyone's tired. Everyone's busy. We make time for the things that are important to us. And being a friend should be important to us. A good friend prays for you. We read this verse earlier. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The power of a righteous person is powerful and effective. James 5, 16. To pray for and with your friends. A good friend points you to Christ. 
They encourage you daily, as long as it's called today, Hebrews 3.13. They don't expect anything in return. You know that famous love chapter that you always hear at weddings that actually has absolutely nothing to do with wedding? It's true. Right, that's actually God's love. That's a description of God's love for us. And it's his model of love that we're supposed to take into all of our relationships. And so as friends, we don't expect anything in return because our love for others is patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it's not, it doesn't boast, not proud, doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs, doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. A good friend is truly happy for you when you are rejoicing. Rejoice with those that rejoice and mourn with those that mourn. We always use that latter part, the mourn with those who mourn. Did you know the rejoice is there too? That's difficult in this world. They help you through hard times. Carry each other's burdens. Fulfill that law of Christ, Galatians 6.2. We got to celebrate the wins of our friends. We've got to. And we've got to share in their losses. We can't avoid them when bad things are happening. This is important to our friendships as a family of God. The Bible commands that we do it. It's hard though. It's hard because when they're celebrating, we're all a little bit what? Jealous, envious. I wish that were me. That's no fair that those good things are happening to those people. We have to learn how to celebrate good things that happen to other people without having those emotions, without being resentful or feeling competitive. That's not what a friend does. A friend celebrates your wins as much as their own. Here's what's cool. If you learn how to do that, if you learn how to do that, if you just celebrate your own stuff in life, um, let's just be honest, there's not a whole lot of celebrating. You know, even though every day is good, every day our God is good and he provides us with more than enough to celebrate, we choose not to notice most of that stuff. But if we can look around and we see the victories of other people in their lives and we celebrate with them, how much happier will we be? How much fun will that be? This is what God is doing in their life, and we get to celebrate good things happening all around us. It's an incredible thing if we can learn to rejoice with others instead of getting jealous when we see their posts on Facebook. We'll experience so much more joy in our lives. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, if one part of the body suffers, then all the other parts suffer. That obviously is just along those same lines. Mourn with those who mourn. And if one part is praised, all the others share in their happiness. We should be praising God together. A good friend is a good listener. That's hard in our culture. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, James 1.9. Listen with empathy. Just care. <laughs> Just care. Nobody in this world cares. We should be different. Listening is one of the most important life skills that you can have, and it is essential to developing relationship. It is hard to love people without listening to people. Don't forget, there's a really big difference between hearing and listening. Hearing happens automatically. Little tiny bones attached to your eardrum vibrate, they move, they send a nervous signal to your brain, you hear. That's not listening. You can hear something and not be listening. We men do it all the time. Let's be honest. Sometimes it's not the words even that people are saying that matter. It's how they say it. Maybe some of you have been told something like this, maybe by a significant other. Oh, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. And if you heard that, you'd walk right on with life. If you were listening, you realize, sure you are. What's wrong? Did you know that if you do the first two, 
The third one is almost automatic. If you're quick to listen and slow to speak, that anger has a tendency to subside if it was ever there to begin with. So what does it mean to listen with empathy? Empathy simply means put yourself in their shoes. You learn their point of view. You ask yourself, how would I feel if I was in that same situation? What would it feel like to me if I was in that circumstance? If you're truly listening, you're not trying to fix the situation. You're just listening. And yes, I am as guilty as probably every other male and probably a lot of females here today as well. Husbands, we might have heard something like this. I don't need you to fix this. I just need you to listen. Nobody's ever heard. I'm the only one. Okay, well, (laughs) liars. Um, (laughs) That's a sin too. Stop it. A good friend forgives you when you mess up, even when they sin against you. Forgiveness is a tough one. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance towards someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. He doesn't just ask us to forgive because that'd be one level. He says, hey, forgive. You know why? Because <laughs> I forgave you. That's the why, Colossians 3, 13. We all have flaws. We all have defects, failings, weaknesses, sin in our life. And the Bible says in Romans 15, 7, accept each other just as Christ accepted you. See, Jesus has accepted us completely. It doesn't mean he approves of everything that we do. He certainly doesn't. But he accepts me. And then God will be glorified, the verse says. That means you've got to accept people the way that they are, not the way you want them to be. You might have experienced this in life. You might be married or have friends or a spouse that that have some characteristics that still bug you to death. I hate to tell you this, um, but they're probably not going to change. So what are you going to do about it? Are you going to get over it? You're going to be miserable the rest of your life? Those are your choices. You see, there's a lot of good qualities in that person too, isn't there? A lot of things that probably eventually cause you to overlook those flaws and those weaknesses. Well, so that's, that's kind of what the Bible's talking about in the acceptance word. We're not talking about sinful behavior. That's something that God purifies out of us. We're talking about all those annoying little things that we do. It says God accepts us. He doesn't demand that we are perfect in order to enter his heaven. He shows grace to us. He offers us forgiveness every day. He tells us that we must do the same for others. Be the friend you would like to have. In the, world, in the world of finding friends, you're going to attract who you are, not what you want. So if you are an attracting type person, you have that kind of personality, people are going to come to you. If you're a gossip, you're, you're going to attract gossips. You're going to attract other sinners. If you're a bitter person, you're going to sit around and be angry and complain about everything with that group of people all the time. That's what you're going to attract. If you want really deep, loyal friends in your life, you have to be that kind of person. This group of friends help nourish your spirit. They nudge you to grow. They push, they prod you to become who God wants you to be. Back to that verse in Hebrews 10.23. Awesome friends help you see the humor and difficulty. They enlarge your perspective and let you see the big picture. Friends stand in the fire with you. You've had some people do that. Awesome friends help you get unstuck when you're in a rut in life. They give you the jump start when your battery needs recharging. They'll even pull you out of harm's way when needed. Awesome friends encourage you when you're discouraged. They provide that shoulder for you to cry on. 
They share your burdens. They help you face the unknown and they encourage you to trust God more. You see, that's why the world does not want you to have any close friends who you can count on and who you can trust. The world wants to tear you apart. The world wants to isolate you. The world wants to point out every possible difference that might keep you from coming together. Jesus, he wants to unify everyone through him, through his love, through him and the sacrifice that he made, through him and the unbreakable bond that can unite all of humankind. This is the unity that we must rally around. This is the unity that we must have with one another. As the world divides, Jesus' goal is 100% unity, and he is the only thing that can possibly do it. Nothing else can bring mankind together other than Jesus himself and the sacrifice he made once and for all, for all, everyone. So as I mentioned at the very beginning of service today, I, I gave you a simple challenge, two people, two people to invite around for Easter, two of those friends, maybe they're Christians and they, they just aren't involved, or don't have a, a relationship really with Jesus. Maybe they've never known Jesus ever in their lives. Two people, God has put you in their lives for a reason. You know, one of the groups that always comes to mind is like the group of older guys that, you know, sits around at McDonald's and drinks coffee for four hours in the morning. Somebody in that group's a Christian, I guarantee it. And probably some of them aren't and have no interest whatsoever in Jesus to the church ever. So we think. Have we ever offered? Have we ever talked to them? Think about those opportunities. Begin to pray about who God is leading you toward. Put on that prayer card. Hey, would you pray for, just give us a first name. Yes, we will pray that God softens their heart toward your invitation. Please, we would love to. Let us be a part of this process with you. Relationships are so important. Father God, we thank you for the relationship you have with us. The relationship we'll be focused on next week is so so, so, so important. And it is the most important relationship we can have in this lifetime, yes. But from the very beginning, you told us, hey, uh, it's not good for you to be alone. You gave Adam the task of finding a suitable helper and he failed miserably because there wasn't one yet. But he came back to give that report and you told him, yep, you're right, it is not good for man to be alone. I will create for you a suitable partner, a suitable helper. Father God, you've given us this life to live and there are so many ups and downs, mountains and valleys, tragedies and triumphs. Father, there's so many difficulties and many people are facing some difficulties right now within their own personal physical health life, within their families, maybe with their job, maybe with their kids. And Father, you've created then this, this web of people that can exist around us from our marriages to our family, to our friends. You've, you've put people around us. And if we've gathered here today, you've put a, a web of believers around us who need to do a better job of taking care of all of those one another's in each other's lives. No single person in this place can accomplish all of them. But Father, with all of us on board, every need can be met. Every need. That early church, how they met together and everything was provided for. Everyone's needs were met somehow, some way through your love, your generosity, your provision for the people of that early church. Our lives are no different. You've given us so much. 
But one thing we complain about is not having enough time. Father, you're the, you're the creator of time. You've given us more time than we could ever know what to do with. We just have a really good way of wasting it. Father, help us to quit wasting that time and instead invest it. Invest it in our relationships. Invest it in our spouse. Invest it in our kids. Invest it in our parents. And invest it in our friendships. Instead of filling ourselves with the worthless things of this world, Father, give us opportunities to show that love and support and encouragement to one another. And bring this family to where you would have us to be. Father, you know the plans you have for us. And your plans are perfect. Don't let us get in the way. Let us embrace every opportunity we have to love people and to make your great name known in this community. Father, we love you. And we pray for those that are struggling this morning, whether it's to make a decision for you, or Father, just in need of prayer or healing. Father, allow them to come forward during this time and be prayed with and for. We love you.